Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the kingdom of Tiraslene to the lands beyond the Shattered Sea, all the villages underground of the Nelwins and the dreaded lands of Nakmar. Yes, we are back in Nakmar, and we will be talking about that. This is Casterly Talk for Willow, Episode 3, Chapter 3, as it is officially called. We open up our storybook here once again. This is the Battle of the Slaughtered Lamb. And if that episode title sounds really metal to you, you are correct. This is an extremely metal episode, and I could not rock out alone. I am once again joined by our friend, Nikki Kumar. Nikki, this is an exciting one, man. We were freaking out at <laughs> 3 and 4 a.m. today about this episode. Yeah. Um, first of all, hello, everyone. And... Uh... There's actually one thing I want to say, say to you first to start off, and that is Tuatha Athrakmora. Tuatha. I'm going to summon a host of my friends, and it worked. And we will yes. talk about that. Um, I I think she has really come into her own here. I think everybody's really coming into their own here, and they were already great. Um, this episode, fantastic. Um, I should probably note, hi, my name is Alden Diaz, not Ken Knapsack, um, as you as you might expect here on Casterly Talk. I'm going to be taking the lead on some of these Willow conversations. Ken will pop in and out throughout the season. It's weird when you do these, sometimes you forget to introduce yourself, especially when you've been rocking out to Metallica in your head all day. Um, yeah, this has been already such a fun ride, only three chapters in. I am so impressed with how this show has been able just right off the bat to capture a tone that feels decidedly like late 90s 2000s like mm. this could this could have existed alongside anything from buffy up through like merlin right yeah. like it, it really feels like it belongs in that family and they know it right. and they lean all the way in so coming off of this one what were your initial feelings reactions and just sort of your overall picture of how you felt about the battle of the slaughtered lamb. Yeah, I think, I think with this episode in particular, uh, either just, I can't remember if it was while I was watching it or after I finished watching it. And I just felt like, I felt like I've known these characters for years. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's such a, like, that's such a great, um, you know, sort of compliment and, you know, sort of testament to the, to the work they've done. Um, I feel I feel very at home with these people. And I think that's just such a such a delightful thing for for this show, especially when, you know, so much of recent fantasy is pretty like, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say like grim, or like dark, but like, when I think about what I'm watching, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it was Thrones, Thrones ended the very same year the witcher came out 
you know, the witch. Not a happy pretty, show. Yeah, Not a happy go lucky grim. show. Um, then you know, House of the Dragon, even Rings of Power, for as hopeful as Tolkien's world is, still has its heavy, super mm-hmm. heavy beats of you know, chaos, destruction. Rings of Power society is literally falling apart. Um, and I think so. For for Willow to come in now and be this sort of again it's also not one note it it, you know what it reminds me of it actually it feels like the ted lasso of fantasy where there's not it's not devoid of conflict it's not you know it's not you know lacking in people out to do bad Mm -hmm. but there is just this thing about it that is like it just feels nice actually to watch it's not Um, a sitcom it's not like there are no stakes. There are many, right. m- many stakes. It's very yeah, involved, big, but big time world ending stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but it just feels like one of those shows where you, you tune in and the characters are just kind of like, they feel good to watch. So, and that, that's Hannah Waddingham aside. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just, it just feels a lot like, like Ted Lasso in that way. Yeah, the Hannah Wanningham uh, appearance is was wonderful, and we'll talk more <laughs> about her and that whole scene, which was very Tolkien esque. And like, hey, we're gonna veer off into the woods, and there's these people. Why are they there? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're just there for character and for to flesh this world out and everything. And I think that the show is so it's so self aware in its comedy, but also in what it is. And I think it knows that it was coming into a, a landscape where. You know, Star Wars is fantasy that's that's often very light and hopeful and campy, but it also, again, it has a heaviness to it. Rings of Power is a good thing to talk about in terms of the fantasy landscape because that was a big, hopeful, bright and shiny show. But you're right. It's also the coming darkness. It's very heavy. It's very involved, whereas it's not that Willow's not involved, but Willow isn't leading necessarily with its lore like mm-hmm. it it plays in a very modern way um but it, it, it's it's still very keenly aware of like why are these themes very classic why do they endure um you know belief and friends and sacrifice and loss and i guess right up top the takeaway that i had from this is that this is sort of if this was willow 2 the film mm-hmm. this would be when obi-wan kenobi dies like Mm -hmm. this is like oh the stakes are real part of the journey the trials of the adventure really start to set in like the group is together now we have forward momentum especially because laura has been taken and so the entire episode is sort of this stop start chase of trying to get to her before they can get to xyz locations which we find out later was nakamara at least part of it Mm -hmm. um it, it has had this feeling though of it's time to grow up. And even though, you know, Borman's already an adult, he still has growing up to do. Uh, you look at characters like, uh, I was about to say like Ruby and Jade, like Kit and Jade, <laughs> yeah. Ruby Cruz, uh, as <laughs> Warwick calls her. That's <laughs> a great, great stage name. Uh, she has, you know, they have growing up to do in terms of their relationships and their expectations with each other. Graydon is trying to find his place in terms of being, not just useful to the group, but also his own man. He talks a little bit about how his father was disappointed in him and Willow is really hard on him. And again, Willow taking surprising turns as a character. Um, But again, it's not like 
it's inspired by Luke and Last Jedi, as Warwick has said, but it's not going to be resolved as quickly as that because this is an eight-hour piece. Like this is mm -hmm. you know roughly it's eight-episode piece. It's going to be more decompressed. So Willow has moments here where it's like you're just being mean. Like he was just straight up mean to Graydon that one time, but then again the context starts to unravel a little bit more, and you're like, oh, he might be on borrowed time a borrowed amount of ability a, a set clock like there's borrowed things mojo. <laughs> borrowed mojo there's things about him that we don't understand yeah. still which is an interesting way to approach it because again so many legacy sequels are films and i think the fact that this legacy sequel is a television show mm -hmm. has allowed john kasdan and his other writers i want to give them a shout out here this episode uh, was written by Wendy Miracle and John Bickerstaff, uh, directed by Debs Patterson, who I found out directed the, the behind-the-scenes documentary for Rise of Skywalker, which is an interesting mm. sort of career path, um, and amongst many other things. And for them to say, well, if we're going to do a legacy sequel as a show, we don't need to status quo our hero very quickly, like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's not like Han Solo or Luke or Maverick, you know, in Top Gun, like here they are, they're back and this is what's going on. They're giving it to us very methodically. Um, yeah. So sometimes I can understand a little bit with some of the people, some of the past stuff like Borman. I think there may be like there's still a little bit of that TV, like he's saying only things to get the scenes. There's a little bit of that with him, mm -hmm. but he's for me, but he's so charming and such a cool character that it's all really working for me as yeah yeah and like that the actor's charisma kind of sells every bit of exposition and you know yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so good yeah yeah amar chara patel uh as i get thraxus borman which we've talked mm -hmm. off air uh how amazing these names are mm -hmm. he's got a really interesting charisma where he sort of has to be that rogue that's gonna have to make a choice and He's still not showing all of his cards. In fact, he's adding cards that he's hiding um, right. in this episode. He's sort of playing. He's helping Kit, but he's also playing his own game. Kit's going through a lot. Jade's going through a lot. I thought Aaron Kellyman was absolutely, for me, by the end of it, the star of this one for mm -hmm. just that that pathos and just the the drama. Like when, when the jokes are set aside and the rain is falling and it's dark and the cinematography is there and the, the fog and the atmosphere and the magic, it comes down to Aaron Kellyman and Ralph Ineson mm -hmm. just having this really heart wrenching scene um, where she's doing a good thing, but it requires her to do something unimaginable, you know, to her, she is freeing somebody. Um, but you know, that's a theme of the show is sometimes you're doing good and you have to do bad to do good. You have to, or you have to, there's no right call. Mm -hmm. There's sometimes you're going to be caught in these in-betweens, which I thought was a really mature place to take it, especially early. Like this is still act one of the entire thing. Right. Yeah. And I, again, it's like, it's also one of those things that I feel like people are often like too quick to, to sort of dismiss when they look at shows like willow and they do this with a lot of like animated things too mm. where it's like you know oh it's willow it's not as mature as you know maybe something else but it's yeah. like that that whole sort of that that journey she goes on is super mature it's yeah. it's very it's very deep and it, it it comes to a lot of different um 
I think she has she has a really like she has a really packed episode emotionally with all sorts of characters. Um, I loved her her scene with um, with Kit when you know Kit's like you never have to save me. I always beat you, and she's like, <laughs> and um, mm. I, I love that for both of them because it's like Kit is finally sort of being faced with the fact uh, that she's grown up a privileged princess right and everything she thinks she is and what she's looking for has been you know it's it's on a different um scale right like it's you know she thinks she's won every battle she thinks she's ready to go take things on it's like how ready are you and then and then i also think about what that does for for jade that conversation is also you know it's like when she's when she's like i when she's like i let you win mm-hmm. maybe not all the time but like certainly a few times you get you get the impression that no one has ever let jade win in her life like she has had to fight and earn every single thing so right. it's like so it's that then sort of feeds back into her relationship with valentine and him you know sort of being like you know a, again a really really moving moment when He's like, you know, raising you, training you, helping you be who you can be is like the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, it it was just, it's a very, yeah, she had a really packed episode. Yeah, it's it's very affecting in that way of, uh, if the show is so much about young people, and it is, like, I, I said this on Twitter, like, and, and I believe, I could be, I want to credit this correctly, I believe it was Anthony Bresnikan that said this about The Last Jedi, that all Star Wars is about growing up, but Last Jedi is the first one that's also about growing old. And mm-hmm. I think that Willow is about growing up and growing old at the same time. Yeah. Right? You know, Willow and Silas and Sorsha and that old guard are all dealing with like, did we make the right choices? I don't know. How do we come to peace with this? How do we try to mentor after we hid and made mistakes, whatever it is. But these characters have to grow up. And, and part of that is unpacking where you're coming from emotionally and like you said like the the princess stuff versus the i was literally an orphan knight my family was destroyed killed murdered trying to get into this land into the barrier like she says in episode Mm -hmm. one it's like the rare alden sports metaphor like she was like kit was born on third Mm -hmm. and jade was born like on the bench (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like she she says she's like she's, uh, outside the stadium <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like it, and that perspective especially in a romance um is really difficult and hard because it's mm-hmm. again the understandable quality of everyone's viewpoint makes perfect sense i think that's a really really strong i don't know if i would even call it a a, a theme or like a literary theme inside of the story but it's just john kazan and the team of writers doing a really good job at i guess equity in the character building i'm not sure script real estate you know start pulling out our our, our terms and everything mm. uh from from screenwriting one-on-one uh but the that entire the idea, the need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> once need save the cat uh the, the, the entire idea of like everybody feels like they're getting a lot of tender love and care in terms of I understand your viewpoint. I understand your viewpoint. Even Borman, who's being selfish to a degree. Um, and again, 
if I have one criticism in a negative way of the show, mm -hmm. I do think that sometimes he's a little bit frustrating to watch, but mm -hmm. I think that's almost intentional. So it's almost like, is that a success on their part? Yeah, possibly. Like when she says, tell me about my dad. And he's like, well, I got to do this first and I got to give you backstory. And then she presses him again. Tell me about my dad. Tell me about my dad. And he's only giving really dodgy answers. Mm -hmm. It finally has that breakthrough moment where even his perspective becomes understandable. And you start mm -hmm. to see in all the characters, the themes. And with him, you know, the lingering spirit of Mad Mardigan, um, which is a, a spirit, by the way, that also lingers on Twitter now. I love seeing Val Kilmer. Uh, tweeting and retweeting things about the show it's like yeah, you, you yeah. seem a little involved buddy uh and and uh you know we're not gonna talk too much about some things that were glimpsed uh at the premiere um right. we're not but, saying that Matt but Marty we do know we do know um from john kasdan interviews yes they were yeah. they were they worked really hard to work him into this yeah um, yeah so friend of the show uh friend of the show ash cross and talked to john kasdan and mm -hmm. and he said like mad martigan they wanted him here the real world situations of covid and life and all that but that he was being pushed a little further down the road but that he would still be a presence mm -hmm. and it works really well for the borman stuff again in terms of those themes of growing up like yeah borman considers the rest of them to be kids but he's still a young guy and he was this guy's squire x amount of years ago he it, he's almost this mixture of cynicism and hope where he's trying really hard to be cynical and you could tell that cynic, being cynical is easier in the mm -hmm. same way which is something that i think that george touched on a lot with yeah. people like han you know like those those types of characters but even in his cynicism his logic is still really hopeful and reverential like kit sort of she doesn't say it in these terms but like did you see my dad die like do you, what do you know and he's like, no, I just know that if he was around, like things would be better. And yeah. it was this weird way of saying like, oh, you're sad. Like, that's mm -hmm. what you are, is that you're sad and you are alone. That the, yeah. your, your hero is gone. I, I think what's so interesting about Borman is. I think, yeah, like I think part of it is totally by design in, ter in terms of the teasing yeah. of it, kind of, because it's like we don't actually know why he was locked up. I don't think we do. Do we? Did they? I think they allude to like thievery or something like that, but we don't okay. know. But yeah, but he's, but he's definitely a... getting some sort of special treatment. I mean, he still right. talks to the queen and right. things like that. So. so that could be like the cover story for why he was locked up. But, mm. but you know, I, I bet there's a lot more to it, obviously. I, I, the fact that Sorsha goes and talks to him in his mm -hmm. cell is, you know, I think, you know, a big, a big hint that, you know, there's, there's a lot still under the layers of this guy and and the yeah the fact that he takes the little was it the lux something i forget yeah the lux, lux arcana, arcana. I think it is. and and he hides that away it's it's just yeah it's great it's just great like character stuff in in terms of making making people on the same side with the same goals still diverge and you know clash against each other so it's going to be really interesting why why he snuck that one in for himself <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and to open the episode that way you know we're opening it with borman telling the story of of this of this old king i believe thole 
um, mm-hmm. whose mother was a fae, which, or, which I guess, you know, could be fairy, could be any sort of like mystical person and, and depending on the mythology you're looking at. Um, and the Chimerian Curus was created, but it can mm-hmm. only be used in conjunction with this key, this Lux Arcana that sort of locks into it and turns. Um, I, I just on a, on a world building note, I like that they've taken Willow to the place of there's technology that makes sense medievally. <laughs> Medi- I don't know what the adjective would be. Yeah. Um, but because a lot of things like there is no like plug in turn things connect like tech and in, in, in you know Martin's world. That, right. you know, that's not a thing. So to, to differentiate it a little bit more with some of that was a lot of fun. Give it a little bit more of its own identity. But we start there and right off the bat, it's again, that was somebody's mother trying to protect their son. That's why mm. the Chimerian cuirass exists. And right. for that to hang over everybody, like we weren't, and they, they even say it later in, in the show, like Mad Mardigan and Borman didn't go to find a weapon to destroy darkness. They mm. went to find a shield. That's what that's yeah. effectively what it is. Like it's a magical breastplate, I think, as Kit calls it here. Mm-hmm. She also drops the phrase the veil of boobs in this episode. Like <laughs> Kit Kit is very aware that she's in a fantasy and yeah. is not is not uh necessarily enjoying she's it. Re- uh, reverse Dinjarin. <laughs> yes. Too aware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, Yeah, I'm I very, very yeah, I understand the tropes here. I get it. Yeah. Um I think it's it's interesting to set us up there. Hope you start to talk about the big ideas and get more into it. Um, how did you feel about that prologue and about sort of the setup of we're not looking for, I think it's very, my takeaway, very in line with the original film. The original film ends with, we're just not going to give up and we can't defeat Bev Morda in the first movie, right? We don't, mm-hmm. we lose, but mm-hmm. Willow just stands up again and pulls a trick and is able to survive. And she beats herself here. Yeah. We're looking for, well, uh, we're just looking for a way to survive. We're looking for a way to defend. I think it's very right. on brand and very George Lucas. Yeah, I think to your point about the technology, that's something I also noticed when that sort of like went on the the curious. Mm-hmm. It was um, I was like, oh, that that feels unique. Like that doesn't feel like anything you would see in another sort of fantasy, like you know, the big tentpole fantasy thing. So that was kind of cool. And then. I guess when when I think about like the the idea of the the Chimerian Curus like as well, it also just I keep getting this feeling of like like it has this holy grail aspect to it, hmm. like and when I when I say holy grail, I mean specifically Last Crusade holy grail. Like, like there's <laughs> there's there's a trade off some somewhere in this, right? Like hmm. you can't just go claim it and and make it okay like yeah. I, I so um, honestly like when i when i think about how they set out to go get it for for good and for um another sort of like lucas idea you know never for attack only for defense kind of thing mm-hmm. um the idea that they went to go get it for protection as opposed to exert force i think is is you know an honest thing and then the fact that they don't have it and one of them's lost to, to whoever knows where um, yeah. means it, it only just increases my suspicion of the whole the whole deal. 
Yeah, and the fact that Borman said like that was the whole little episode two, you know, cliffhanger line at least of their arc mm-hmm. um, or of their ongoing conversation was like, oh no, he found it. And mm-hmm. then now we know that Borman at least had the other piece. So we, you know, we're not here on Casually Talk to do a lot of fan theories and stuff because the problem with that is that you end up looking like a doofus a week later uh, if if something is unveiled. But it immediately does raise the questions of did did the squire take one piece and the knight took the other and that's why they split is that mm-hmm. maybe it was on orders it's like you need to make sure this can't be used by anyone but us i'll catch you i'll catch you later mm-hmm. trust me and then he does then he doesn't who knows what, what that situation is maybe that's why borman is in prison it's like for failure to serve mad martigan he didn't return and you did like yeah that would that be, be really interesting I'm not sure, um, but I found that all to be really compelling. And to continue the discussion of that theme, this was, I think, if you told people, and they did tell us, you know, Star Wars Celebration, Anaheim, uh, this year, 2022, uh, we're doing the Willow Show, here's the trailer, and we were all like, whoa, I think an initial gut expectation, as you know, was that we were going to see Willow be the great sorcerer. And Mm -hmm. two episodes in, we had not yet seen it and it was sort of like is he okay what's going on there's a little bit of mystery here and we'll talk a little bit more about it um yeah in terms of his the theme of insecurity and and Graydon and jade sort of being like something's up with him but i don't think it's a coincidence at all it's very in line with what ron howard and george did and bob dolman and carrying all the way through that when willow finally does go full gandalf you know, full Dumbledore, full whoever you want to use and slams his staff down and everything. It's in defense. Mm-hmm. They've they've asked him a couple times throughout, like, can you just levitate this? Can't you just do this? Can't you just that? Can't you just make food? Can't you just like all selfish things, mm-hmm. all things out of laziness or out of wanting to just like use magic willy nilly. But it's not until extreme circumstances sort of force willow's hand much like a jedi you know much like other people like gandalf didn't just go around blasting people he didn't disagree with he disagreed with you know like it's it took something like the balrog's gonna kill everyone else if i don't stand here i think willow having his own slam the staff moment Mm. that at least obliterated the other two guards but you know and also freed valentine at least enough to die as himself right um was an extremely powerful moment because you can tell that willow doesn't regularly do that and i think that it, it made the moment feel more special and, and poignant mm-hmm. yeah i think i think it that's a it's it is interesting how like definitely magic has felt um sort of on the back foot a mm-hmm. bit um even even I, if i remember the movie correctly we see like we get like a good amount of Bev Morda pretty fast, um, and then you know it it just sort of like establishes that magic is active, I think. Yeah. Um, and with this, it's almost like yeah, we see like the gales and we see you know the idea of the crone, but it it almost feels like like good magic's very reserved right now um and and i think yeah like with willow um sort of 
more you know like choosing to to not do it i think it's it, it i think it's such a good thing about how he brought up the last jedi right like he brought up this idea of you know of watching mark take luke in that direction and and you see that in terms of that same fear i think fear is really driving willow right now yeah um and and that's that's the lesson luke learns by the end of the film and you know it's i think i think willow's still not there as you were saying before it was like you know we gotta unpack this a little slower um with an eight episode series as opposed to a film yeah. and and yeah i think so like willow sort of like now opened the door to you know his his ability to perform magic but again it's it's almost like had silas not taken that hit and everybody was losing would he have even done it probably not yeah because um, yeah, he was again his his instinct is to run which yeah. has been sort of a which is a, a great comedy bit. But everyone get inside of the carriage. <laughs> the carriage explodes. Yeah. Uh, fight. Never mind. Fight. Yeah. Uh, that, that was good stuff. They, they do a really good job balancing that in, um, which is a Lucasfilm staple, right? Like that's indie, that's Star Wars, that's everything. Um, and again, very modern. Like I said, it fits in that 90s, 2000s tone, but it knows that it is that. And mm-hmm. when it needs to get serious, it does. And, you know, continuing this theme of, of people wanting to defend. I mean, that's, we talked about it a little bit with the relationship drama. Like that's the, the Genesis we find out of Jade and Kit's relationship is that Sorsha asked Jade to train with her. She's like, yes, at first I was asked to train you and defend you, but then I grew to love you. You see it with, uh, I, I always am like, what am I going to call her? Am I going to call her dove, Alora, Brunhilde? Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with Alora, like yeah. she out of just, not out of wanted to destroy people. She's just trying to get herself out of the situation. She burns that guy's face and is like, mm-hmm. oh, there's more magic awakening inside me as she starts to believe. All of these people in some way were charged with the defense, even Graydon, like trying to live up to his duty is like, hey, protect my queen. And <laughs> Borman's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I'd rather seriously. die a thousand deaths than fail you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah it's such a good again that's such a good like fantasy thing used modern and used funny mm-hmm. um because again the show does know what it is i mean we alluded to it up top rocking out at three and four in the morning this we we got a willow episode that ends with a dramatic like i know where we are and then metallica kicks in and then we zoom out and it's nakamar which is such a good yeah that got me i didn't realize where we were um that worked really well i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about about that just in terms of big moments yeah i think i think i sort of expected it in terms of like i think just in terms of willow being like i know where we're going and then like getting the flashes of Mm -hmm. of a castle and i was like oh is it i think i was getting i was a little like mixed up in terms of like where things were in the original movie Right. But I, but I think like, because Tara, was it Tara's least? Tara Celine is Tara is, Celine. is home yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So that that was the place where, they, in the film, they go and um, everybody's where, like sort of encased in. Yeah, like, that's where stuff. they defended and and Mad Marty the gets the and armor stuff. and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, I think I had all those like images, and then 
you know, the, the, the flashes in, in this episode of, of the castle, it, it felt like somewhere we, we knew already, like we were gonna, we we're gonna land somewhere. Um, yeah, I don't know if I put it like exactly together that it was Nakmar, but um, I felt like ready for it. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was cool. I think, um, I think, yeah, like once, once that little guitar riff started kicking in, I was like, oh, that's, that's the way to close an episode for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's it one of those things also, good. it's one of those things where I'm also like curious. I feel like in another world, they could have done a three, a three episode launch and these three would work really well together. You know, like, mm -hmm. like Andor did a, a one, two, three drop. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, this also is the, this is, I mean, it, it's sort of like the, the, the big first chunk you know it's it's one yeah. it feels like one sort of piece together and it like it, as you're sort of saying like it at the beginning um of the episode it it sort of sets up a lot of new stakes right it mm -hmm. it you get your sort of um time to grow up with with jade also kit i'd say um and then graydon's new stakes of him being injured by the magic um and Alora sort of I think she sort of like comes to terms a bit with who she can be yeah um in this episode so like yeah I think that that all leads to being like we finished phase one um mm -hmm. so so yeah I think it was a great ending for for all that and I think it, it works really well as like if you're trying to convince someone to watch Willow here just stick through these first three if you don't love it by the end of three or into it by the end of three then you know that's fine but i think you got to give it these first three i agree and you know and i used the term act one earlier i don't know if i would make if i would say that in a critical analysis type way i think act one is you know if this is a, a one big piece act one's leaving you know yeah or act one's act one yeah. act one is not in terms of like Laura a script Bannon. structure yeah. exactly but in it's, terms of arcs right. it's like arc yeah. one is now over the arc that was valentine the corrupted knight is after us arc mm -hmm. is yeah. over now mm -hmm. um and we're moving on to the next thing group solidified that's what this feels like is the group the solidification of the group um by the end of this and again it, learning to care about each other more learning to accept their own potential and experience loss Right, like experience loss. It's, it's Jade deep. lost Valentine. Willow lost Silas. Yep, they all lost the horses. <laughs> you know, it's yep. like it's uh, yeah. it's it, it you know it, it's tough when you lose your horse. I'm telling you, um, it is. Not everyone can be build a pony and just have a true. nice walk home. Yeah. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, very very random quick tangent, but I I got to bring Please. this up now. So in two towers, we get this amazing connection with brago and aragorn <laughs> and then in return of the king brago just bolts <laughs> like <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as they get to the uh the pass of the dead he's like anyway he's nah. like now nah, we're good <laughs> see you chief have fun nah. in gondor um anyway that just popped up no nope, but yeah that is very funny stay but tuned yeah. for the peter jackson rewatches on casually talk or we'll talk more about that um, um but the themes yeah so this idea of we talked about this idea of defense, this idea of, you know, never attack, but even, even when it is attack, you know, uh, 
I guess sort of not capping off that theme, there's always gonna be more to say about it. But for this chapter, this this battle, like we're 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 set up with this battle. It's gonna be the battle of the slaughtered lamb. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tells you immediately this is gonna be action packed. But what the battle comes down to is a mercy kill, not an actual victory, which I think ties in with that theme as well. Like it's goodness. He says, release me. Valentine is saying, release me. It's, you know, it's a very like, you're ready. You're the one you've achieved your potential. He had already given her this recommendation for the Mm -hmm. shining Legion before the show began. And I thought that was a beautiful way to wrap up that theme. And I think that Aaron Kellyman, She's a star. I mean, there's a reason why she's in Star Wars, the MCU, and now Willow, like, back Mm -hmm. to back to back. Like, she's just good. She feels very... It's it's not that Jade feels less modern than the other one. She doesn't, because she fits right in with Kit and with the other characters. But Jade feels the most, like, plucked out of a serious fantasy, you Mm -hmm. know, in a certain way. Um, And I think Aaron Kellerman plays that really well. Yeah. No, yeah, she's great. I think she'll... She'll have a, I think I think a lot of them will, but she'll she'll definitely have sort of a great future in terms of just in terms of, again like what she's done already, yeah. and and it it's like we also know how Star Wars works, where yep. somebody who just happened to be around, I mean, it, it, taking her movie into account, or and the star of this show, mm-hmm. Warwick Davis played a guy betting on a pod race and then was reintroduced into solo as a mm-hmm. freedom fighter yeah. <laughs> right? like, or slash yep. pirate um so it's like we it i think i think she'll you know she'll have all sorts of stuff ready for her and not not to mention she was in the green knight um, yep in the green knight as well as really, Winifred, really yeah. fun really fun little like chapter of, of the green knight um so yeah, I think I think she she was great. She she really not not to use this term crudely based on what she did, but she killed it. Yeah, no, yeah, she absolutely did. And yeah. and you know, that entire theme of of loss plays in. Um talking about let's talk a little bit about the loss of Silas while we're talking about that. Yeah. Um, I have to give a huge shout out to the performer that played Silas. This guy, Graham Hughes, um, and just a few episodes. 2.9 episodes because he doesn't mm-hmm. quite get this one is uh so believable he imbues him and warwick together i don't know if they really are friends i don't know what their backstory mm-hmm. is I'm familiar with graham hughes um but you believe everything that they've said you believe the trust and everything i do wonder why silas isn't just migosh old mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's something that I wondered about, or, or maybe maybe they sad. wanted to stay true to like casting, and if they couldn't get maybe that's the what guy it was. who played him, it can't be him, or guy. or maybe yeah. he's I'm not someone out there knows maybe the actor who played Migosh is retired or passed or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Silas is is great in his own right. He's he took he's on a whole journey in this episode almost where with mm. as with me as a viewer where I felt like he represented sort of this like again the old guard and like how we we are not intimidated we know exactly what we're doing and not to an arrogant place but just to a super capable place but much like with i keep wanting to call him corn half hand case <laughs> in the first one like yeah. the old guard got complacent to a certain degree and not that that applies to silas but they're being 
picked off narratively to force the young people to rise to their fullest potential. And mm. I think that that's something that that happens across all of these myths. And, you know, if the, if we're going to allude to other fantasies and stuff like we have with Star Wars and with and with rings, the other, you know, uh, a big one is like fellowship, like how you lose two members right off the bat. Like there's it's a lot of loss that sort of shapes where the arcs are going. And for Willow to, you know, he had to be pushed to leave home. Silas was there defending him and it's like now he now another person has been lost on his watch we don't get the answers as to what happened to his family but it's mm. you know sort of alluded to in unspoken ways right and this this was really really impactful and especially because again we're laughing along with this guy like when he's like go shiv somebody like <laughs> earlier in the fight in the woods like he be so likable that he almost had to die. Yeah. He had he had police officer in the movie that's about to retire energy. Right. No, yeah, and I think that's what that's what is so sort of um it's both painful and so honorable about the Nolan, right? Like they they were sort of just vibing, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And but they but they're the strength of their character means they don't refuse the call. Yeah. And you know, so Silas could have just stayed at home doing whatever he was doing did he do carving i think that was one of the things he was yeah, doing yeah i think so um he could have just sat at home and done that but like like he said he's like i went out doing what i should have been doing that's protecting my friend and like like that is it's like again their strength of character is is that almost double-edged sword of you know they're willing to put it all on the line too mm -hmm. and when maybe they don't need to yeah. um and so it's like yeah i thought i thought his his death was well not you know surprising it's still it's still a gut punch um especially it's also just know. like it's just violent like it's also just like dark like mm -hmm. much like we talked about with the gales the show has a lot of light and a lot of levity and it's very like wink wink nudge nudge very mm -hmm. sexy very cool but when it needs to crank it up the gales are terrifying when it yeah. needs to get up, like Willow's dream is pretty terrifying. Willow's fear makes you sort of as a viewer, like question a lot of stuff. And then when it needs to hit hard, like with the death of Valentine, the death of Silas, they go for it. Like it's like yeah. there was no there was a cutaway because they're not going to show the slash through this guy. It's not that hard. But we see the body drop and we see Jade grieve. And, and with Silas, too, we saw him get launched up against these stones and yeah. just boom yeah. he's he's then he's dying his yeah. bones breaking like so he's but what i love is like you said the honor of these people and i think again we keep coming back to george lucas i feel like i'm over on one of the star wars pods but it, it's it's his you know still characters created by it's his themes that he laid out kasdan yeah. um, we are be, in the world be, of lucas yeah you yeah. might be familiar <laughs> with kasdan's dad uh, he wrote yeah. some important stuff about some of these themes um he is always focusing, you know, and 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 his successors like JJ and Ryan and and Fabro, everybody, everybody that has touched the Lucas properties understands or, or should understand to a certain degree that part of it is that the good side lets go, the dark mm -hmm. side doesn't. Mm -hmm. Bavmorda, the Gales, the Crone, however they're connected, which is still ambiguous, is Bavmorda herself the Crone? We don't know. Um, is Bavmorda in league with the crone? Is the is the spirit of Bavmorda lives in their blood, as Sorcia mm -hmm. said. But so that's all still 
ambiguous, but they are clinging to life. They right. are clinging to existence. They can't accept that things might be different, which is why they fear Laura Dana because she could destroy take them something away from them, yeah. take something away from them. But a powerless small Nelwyn warrior with his few daggers is the one that has the dignity and the sense of self to say, no, I don't need to be healed. Just take this back to, I think he says Libby. I'm not sure if that's mm -hmm. his wife or daughter. You don't need to know. You just are like, there you go. Like, just take this back. I had a good life. Tell them I had a good life and that I wasn't, I think I wasn't afraid, mm -hmm. um, which is just, ugh. like, I don't want to spoil other shows, but Rings of Power has a similar moment. Um, that moment overall of the person that's like, I don't, I don't need that. Uh, Jane Foster had a little bit of that and, and Thor booked the comics mm -hmm. and in Love and Thunder of I don't I, we have the clarity and and we had the experience the experiences that mattered. Uh, we don't need to try to artificially cheat this. You know, right, this was right. a part of it. I was your friend. I'm still your friend. I died your friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, it's like you said, it's like you have to you have to understand these as the the key like tenets of of George's worlds, right? Like mm -hmm. it is it is the the heart and soul. I mean, on a on an Andor episode, we talked about it's one thing to see the ingredients of storytelling. Mm -hmm. This is this is the elements. <laughs> like yeah. this is this is your periodic table of the the construction of these ideas um to be to be able to let go the selflessness you know that's it that's what it all that's what it all breaks down to um so so yeah i thought it was i thought it was super powerful and it's it's a shame to see silas go and um especially when he was like <laughs> yeah like he did have a great episode to be sent out on you know and um i love the it's five against one. He's like, oh, I'm not sure how good. It's four and a half against one. <laughs> like, it's like yeah. really good comedic timing. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I think that's a perfect. Uh, unless you have anything else to say about Silas before. We... Oh, um, yeah. I think I think I was just gonna say like I think he he did a he had a good exit. Like he he challenged Willow, um, you know, midway through, and he's like, oh, you know basically like Crimean River, right? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and um and Mel's like, oh, it could get bad, it could get worse. It's like how much, how much worse is, could it get than this? I like so I liked this idea. He did everything he needed to do. It's very, it's a very functional role in terms of the story. And like it's by design functional, but then elevated by by Graham's performance. So yeah. So I think that's that's what uh that's what we'll remember Silas fondly for. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about comedy, we talked about timing, we talked about theme, we've talked about these themes of of defense, we've talked about these themes of letting go, and how Jade and Willow both have to do that in certain ways. But then and and, and I would note, 
we've touched on it with Borman. I would note how Borman doesn't let go. Borman mm. is, he's literally like, nope, I'm going to hide this. Like, I'm yeah. going to hide this for myself. He's not come to terms with whatever happened there, which puts him in our Han Solo rogue place. Will he make the right choice? Will it be the, you know, we've got the Curus, but we can't activate it. And then Borman's like, ha I have the, who knows? Mm-hmm. But another core theme here is insecurity. We'll talk about it with Willow, but I want to start with Alora Dannon. Um, and speaking of comedic timing and actors elevating things out of nowhere, <laughs> unless you're subscribed to the Lucasfilm YouTube channel, oh. out of nowhere, uh, Hannah Waddingham coming yeah. in, coming in hot with a performance that is so bananas. Like it's yeah. such a weird, I, I, she felt very Tom Bombadil. Like, yeah. We're, and, and it's not just her it's uh she plays hubert she also has Anne that lives mm. with her um right here on the willow page the performer who's playing Anne is not listed so i apologize for not having that name uh i will have to look it up after the yeah. fact um, or maybe while you're talking i'll look it up but yeah that i thought that their inclusion because it's all like elora's running she manages to free herself from valentine and she cuts her ropes and the forest is all dark and disorienting and the cinematography is very weird there's like some some dutch angles some focus stuff and then all of a sudden boom clarity and they're just like hey and it's so intentionally abrupt yeah that i loved that tonal shift it's almost like is it a dream right like yeah it's it's so weird because it is this it is so set aside from the reality right like Mm -hmm. it's dark outside when she runs into the forest and then there's this just sunny patch right (laughs) these two gals eating mushrooms right just eating mushrooms (laughs) chopping wood chopping wood eating mushrooms um and yeah like hannah waddingham it was it was so like i don't want to say jarring but it was like i it took me like a few lines to be like wait is that is it? I'm like trying to like peer under the hat. <laughs> like, yeah. like, is that her? Um, and it it is just it's like it's one of those things again where like she's come a long way from shame septa ringing the bell. <laughs> septa Mella, like, yeah, yeah, she's uh she she has a, a an ability to pop up in lots of things relevant to us. She's a Ted mm. Lasso mainstay for the Ted Lasso fans, yeah. she's a sex education uh a right. recurring character jackson's as mom. jackson's mom yeah she's game of thrones she's also has has a theater background she's done i, I want to say something wicked or wizard of oz stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah just seeing her have this moment of like i love that she's got to uh uh the like oh it's her like she's got yeah. that now and not just oh it's her from thrones like we know her name now like we know mm-hmm. her um, and it, again, she's, you know, fresh, probably upon filming Willow, fresh off a um, Emmy for, you know, Best Supporting Actress in a, in a comedy series. And I think that, that was super fun to let her be funny. Like, it's a very, it's a very funny performance. Um, yeah. And so, again, just to, to separate her from Septa Unella, who's <laughs> not funny at all. No, um, no, not, not an ounce of comedy in in that in that whole sort of situation um, to, to to let her come into a fantasy world and just really go for it in a in a comedic sense was was really great for her. And um, and yeah, I think the whole chapter was. It was it, it felt again like a dream state 
it was this idea of um you know Alora being so sort of surrounded by darkness of the circumstances and then mm -hmm. finding this finding just this this random thing like we don't know why they were there really like we don't know anything like who who sent them i'm almost at the point where i'm like i'm not convinced they're actually dead like i think i think it does i think thematically it can work if yeah they don't come back obviously yeah. but it's also like it's so mystical that i'm just like i wouldn't be surprised if we see them again like i just wouldn't Especially um, because you get the slow pan down to Hubert's body. Yeah. I almost expected her to be like, oh, kind of right. like, you know, like, uh, uh, to shout out the Sandman, another great fantasy show, yeah. sort of like, um, um Hobgadling or mm. something like, or I just, I just, or, or like, uh, Cain and Abel in Sandman, where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah Cain always yeah. kills me, but I, <laughs> I always shake yeah. it off. Um, real quick, I did look up, uh, it, she wasn't on the IMDb. It was weird. You know, these things are incomplete. We have to wait till mm -hmm. the season's over to get everything. But um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this name because uh -oh. I believe it is a uh, perhaps a, a Gaelic, perhaps Welsh. I'm not sure. You know, some of the languages where the consonants just throw you if you oh, yeah. if you're American. And Welsh is like only consonants. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> her her name is spelled C A O I M H E, and her last name is Farron. So. Uh, yeah. uh, Cal me Farron, somebody please uh, educate me and let me know. Um, also, she's a musician, so she was she had sort of like the the silent role, like they were sort of did like a pen and teller bit, like this is mm -hmm. one of them is silent, one of them doesn't stop talking. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think that you're right, like the mystical quality, it works, it works thematically if it if it is the one and done situation, but it also works um if they want to make them recurring that'd be a lot of fun but what it really what i really love about it is you talked about it earlier you touched on this theme of like if if like how are we going to reach our fullest potential especially amidst insecurity and, and it's sort of been there throughout all the stories and with Alora, you know by the end she starts to believe in herself a little bit more she, she makes that big like i got you know, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You, all your friends are dead. You got nothing. You just do a Hail Mary <laughs> dice rolling. roll. Yeah. Like, I can, I'm just going to do the one plant spell I know and see if yeah. something different happens after she, but yeah. she just burned that guy's face because she's starting to believe. Yeah. And that's the first awakening. time. Even if she doesn't think it herself fully, what I love about Hubert and Anne is that they say, well, we'll answer the call. You're supposed to do this and we will fight for you. We pledge. They pulled the the Brienne of Tarth, you know, like I will from this day till my last day. Mm -hmm. It was so beautiful. And I think that that made it real for her that they died in her service. Even if yeah. they were only in her service for a few minutes, that was her, you know, she didn't have a, the friendships that, you know, Jade had with Valentine or that Willow had with Silas, but it was like, oh, I, all questions of whether or not this Alora Dannon stuff matters to me. Brunhilda, the kitchen maid, are now settled because the blood of at least two people is directly out of my hands now. Yeah, I think it's also the sort of thing of like, with, I mean, she is the true empress, right? And it's this idea of leadership and how you handle it. Because I think Valentine's like, because of you, your mistakes, your foolishness, they're dead mm -hmm. and it, it's like for Elora to be a leader she has to say yes right like 
Like yeah. people are going to follow me and they're going to fall um, in service of what I represent. Um, yeah. And and it's something that she has to, and or she was forced to really reconcile with. And um, because it's like, yeah, who knows where this story goes? I think it's going to go to a pretty big place. I don't I don't have like an image of Elora leading an army, but I'm not saying that's like out of the question. No, and, it's not. And it's like to be to be strong in that position, you have to accept that you know, people are going to die for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that was a very it was a super important thing to happen to her for as mystical and dreamlike it was like it was very sort of substantial in terms of not just sort of like accepting she's a Laura Dannon because they, these people saw the mark on her, um, mm-hmm. her arm and believed it, but it's like her accepting I'm a Laura Dannon, the Empress, the most powerful sorceress in the world yeah. or soon to be. And that comes with a cost and I have to accept that cost because mm-hmm. that's what my power is. And that's what you know, Sorsha and Willow have been dealing with. I did I did some math based on a listing. So the cast listing for little Alora Dannon is five year old Alora Dannon. Mm-hmm. So that's fifteen years prior to this. So this fifteen year falling out comes down to the cost and to Willow's point of view on the cost with what he knows about that she will have to die. She she sort of has the the Harry Potter prophecy of it all of like mm-hmm. you know uh, the, the, so the boy must die like he and that's he want he wants to avoid um, some of that by getting the jump on the training. Sorsha has her point of view on what protection is and what cost is to her, especially as mm-hmm. she's trying to unite the realms and redeem herself. That's something that gets touched on here, not very heavily, but it's a theme that's alluded to. When you look at uh, uh, Tony uh, Rivalori's character, Graydon, his family name, he's like, he feels like he's ashamed to it. And Willow says, yeah, well, it wasn't a great family name to begin with, <laughs> which was such a, like, woo. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Willow with some opinions. Right. Willow with some political opinions. I know, right? Um, that was that was a good line. Tough. <laughs> Tough, but good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, can you remind me if Willow told Sorsha about um see that's that's what i'm unclear on we know that willow expressed fears that she needed to be trained and that the the darkness was going to come again Mm -hmm. we don't know if he said and she's gonna have to die that's we still don't know we also know based in the in the pilot when she talks to kit before kit leaves she says you know i didn't listen to willow and we disagreed but she's also now having these dreams and visions and she's hearing mm-hmm. Willow's voice, the gales, the gales. So whether or not they each have 100% of the info is still up in the air. I'm yeah. hoping that we do find out if who else knows about the death part of it. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's really key um, to their points of view. But yeah, th- this idea that, you know, people are trying to redeem themselves and people are trying to get out of situations. Um, mm-hmm is interesting as they face their fears in terms of leadership, because as you know, it's a scene that we both really liked when we were talking off air as Graydon and Jade start to speculate, like maybe Willow is not in, is not at the height of his power anymore. And that's why he took the Nelwyn underground. Yeah. And those types of leadership calls are the ones that Elora is going to have to learn to make. 
And right. um, I briefly rewatched Willow's dream of her being dead. And I'm pretty sure someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure her hair is dark hmm. in that when she's dead, that her hair is red again. And we know that she's not a natural blonde based on that flashback where he's like, you know, your hair was red when I met you. And she's like, yeah, they dye it with some gross like ingredients. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of becoming oneself um, that is happening here. And it even happens in the, the theme of light and dark, which is like, of course, like that, that that's one of the most like, yeah, duh themes that's going to happen in fantasy. But Willow takes it to a literal place of the practices of good magic and bad magic Graydon mm -hmm. is the one that's been commenting on it and then it's and then it's the one he's the one that's afflicted uh afflicted by the the yeah. bad magic so how did that play for you in terms of his sort of trying to be a scholar getting shut down by willow but then it it, it actively does happen <laughs> first i want to comment on again very sassy willow episode mm -hmm. um and that scene where like overlooking the the portal and like great <laughs> like speaks to the like translates and he's like oh so you speak dark <laughs> <laughs> like, Willow was so sassy this whole yeah. episode um, yeah and now uh can you remind me the question <laughs> oh no I was just saying like, like yeah no no, no was no. the topic again it was yeah, like, how did you feel about the the great in introducing sort of the good magic bad magic stuff yeah. for me it ties in with i think the theme of insecurity is that like he's been told he isn't good enough this entire time but he has this one area that he studied up on yeah and then we get some great shots in the trailer of like him with that fish creature and everything mm -hmm. and like um so spoilers i don't think the bad magic is going to kill him because we've seen him in the trailers for stuff but uh the but the idea that he's the one that has this area of expertise that his dad and family don't value yeah and that he's the one that has to now directly be infected by it right i think right. Is, is poignant in terms of insecurity because the willow the reason why willow is a sassy jerk is because he is insecure exactly. and because he always yeah. has been because Portia put that in his head too 15 years that he's prior. not that good yeah. yeah um yeah no i think i think it's really interesting for Graydon, especially to be in the position he's in now where I'm curious how he's going to now empower the ones who now need to take care of him um, with his knowledge, because, you know, it, it'd be different if it was like, you know, Borman or, or Kit who got infected and then Graydon can work on them. But it's like now it now it's on him and it's like he may not be able to to help himself and how he can sort of continue to use his knowledge to help the knowledge list, you know, and, yeah. um, and help him. It, it reminds me of, uh, that pretty brutal scene in, uh, Master and Commander where the doctor mm. gets shot. Yeah. Paul Bettany gets, and he has to operate on himself. Oh um, yeah. Ooh, forgot about yeah. that. That was and, uh, Yeah. So it, it kind of gives me a little bit of those vibes where it's like, how can he, um, you know, sort of make, you know, Put himself in a position where he can still use his knowledge to help himself even if he's sort of falling apart and and it makes you wonder what sort of secrets are in nakmar for for them to maybe heal him or counteract it or whatever um because I'm, I'm sure bev morta had plenty of weird 
stuff tucked away, you know, in that, yeah. in that castle. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Graydon is super interesting. It's, it, it's such a great way and how they take all these characters in very sort of normal positions of fantasy. Mm-hmm. And now they're just letting them branch off into all sorts of different things. So it's like, you, you get the prince, the princess, the, the, the one of, you know, the growing knight, you know, all these, all these like, just sort of like simple ideas. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, Kit's going to go on some adventure of discovery with, you know, probably a lot of Mad Mardigan at play um, yeah. for her personally. And then Graydon, just the, the prince, the, the one who sucked, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like the, and you know the other one died so the other one fell out of a tree i got this one now um for him to go on you know what is is such a magic heavy sort of journey i think is is super fun and interesting great stuff for the actor to Mm -hmm. um to dig into and i think it's i think it's super exciting obviously we you know like you said we know we know this will not mark the end of, Mm -hmm. of him whether that's something that gets delayed who knows but he's gonna be active and um i think with with him yeah the question for me is like how how will he sort of encourage the others to not just rely upon him translating right but to be like you know you can you can do this because i need you to do this Mm -hmm. i'm gonna try to arm you as best (laughs) best i can um and and you know, again, it's like in the same way Alora is learning a sort of leadership, and um, you know, everybody has to learn a lesson. I think Graydon will sort of learn his place as a as a leader as well. Hopefully, I agree, and I think that in terms of learning the potential of yourself is one thing, but also letting go of your arrogance and seeing the potential in other people is a big thing that kit has to go through and willow as well i loved the moment early of looking for Alora where kit sees the brand new tree yeah <laughs> the little yeah. tree she grew she's like oh. like because that confirms like yeah kit she is special and yeah it's like you didn't want her here but you are also like for as arrogant and as frustrated and you know and as as trapped as you might feel as princess kit Pantalos, like mm-hmm. if you're gonna be everything that you want to be you know in your heart like now now there's proof and you already kind of felt it but like now there's proof and i think that similarly in terms of seeing the potential in each other that's what solidifies a party mm-hmm. like a fantasy party a group of heroes like it can only truly be when you all finally respect each other and I think her seeing that tree was the inkling of like, I'm going to come to respect her. I see now that she has the stuff. And with Graydon, I don't, you know, first of all, they're literally not going to be a couple because Kit's already in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not that, uh, it's still ambiguous whether or not in this world, that's like a, I don't, I don't expect Disney Plus to get into the, you know, house of the dragon-esque you cannot be a queer human in right this world. I yeah Stunted. i don't know how, i don't know how willow's uh you know yeah we don't know if it's uh, like how does how does the date has the world see them do they consider exactly. jay and we don't know that um yeah. but we know that they're in a romantic relationship but i think that she will 
through this hopefully see oh he's not just an annoying prince that was added on to our party by his dad he actually has value too mm-hmm. and similarly with borman i think they all see better in borman he just needs to see it in himself and once they it's sort of like that line from andor like you know everything you need to know and you feel everything you need to feel once you put those together mm-hmm. and that's them as a party right now and they're yeah. almost there alora and kit took big steps forward as characters jade took a huge step forward as a character willow forced to take steps forward as mm-hmm. a character forced to then forced to go back now to to Nakmar, the place where you know if you revisited the film like we did that's the place where he felt like he had stepped into this new role but then quickly a few years later found out that maybe he hadn't mm-hmm. um all of them sort of have to face that and for Graydon now to be you know his life's on the line I think it's going to open the doors for, you know, our mid-season point to feel like, okay, we're a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just one thing about Kit also, I think something I really love about her, her story so far is this feeling of this like unraveling of her feeling like, oh, you're, you're actually not that special (laughs) or like, you're not, you're not as special as you think you are maybe, or you're not as special or you are special, but not in the ways you think you are. And um, yeah. I think that's a fun, like, unraveling for her. Because it was it was sort of like, I felt that with within the first two episodes where it was like, oh, I'm the princess. I'm leading this charge. Miss Muffin, which I love the, her calling her Miss Muffin. Yeah. Uh, Miss Muffin shows up and she, he's like, I'm still in charge. And then Miss Muffin turns out to be the most legendary person like in the world. And, and it's almost like the attention gets taken away. I think you felt that in the Nelwyn home mm-hmm. when, when kids just like, are we good here? Can we go? Like she, she wasn't feeling that. And then that's why I also love a seeing the tree be the, the scene where Borman's like, well, I mean, if, if we actually saw she could do something, then I'd say maybe you're being a little harsh on her. And what's, what's genius about that is they don't know that, but Kit, knows that she yep. did actually do something and and then the genius like craft part of it is the camera stays on kit while he's saying that underneath so you get her full reaction to yeah. oh well i'd say you're being kind of mean you know if she done something but she hasn't done anything so you know you're fine <laughs> but, yeah. so, but yeah. she knows that she has Borman's like yeah. theoretically if she right. actually was this and yeah. yeah it's a great way of doing the we are because again, I think the show is being very methodical and very selective about when the viewer knows things versus when the characters know things, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. That then that's an example of it playing really, really well. Um, and and again, just overall, like with what you're saying about Kit, like princess leading the charge, badass warrior, all these things that she could be, and many of them she is. But again, your specialness is not because of all the things that you have. It's not because of, you know, you've beaten Jade and all the, your training rounds. It's mm. not because of your Sorsha and Matt Mardigan's kid. It's because of you. And you need to figure out who you are here. Right. And that's and that's what the key always is. And with that, they're able to do a lot of like, you know, I kind of described it as like, it's like a fantasy mixtape. Like, it's something that I really loved about the Star Wars sequel trilogy where it got harder to place certain people. Mm-hmm. Like, Ray's obviously still, you know, chosen one. She's the myth, the mythic hero, etc. But Poe was a little bit of 
company guy working for the larger party, but also a little bit rogue. Finn was probably the most wholly new of all of that. Um, of like, we hadn't had like child soldier deserter of the bad come over to good, but also be like so wholesome and wanting friendship. Like that was mm. pr a pretty fresh thing. This is full of fresh little remixes. Like the rogue is also this, this, and this. The princess is also this, this, and this. The mm -hmm. kitchen maid is also the most important. Yeah. Um, the and and again, Willow has always been that as a character where he is like, you know, I'm Willow, a great sorcerer, but it always came down to sleight of hand. And I think what he's realizing is that it's not theoretical anymore. Like maybe for 20 years of like being high Aldwin, it's like, yeah, I'm going to learn skills and learn skills and learn skills. And now it's sort of forcing it to all come to a head. And like I was saying, I looked at the timeline stuff and um, it's not like she's the sorcerer says in the first episode, it's 200 moons since it all went down with the first movie. Now yeah. that doesn't do the math. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't exactly line up, but yeah. this is, this is not our world. So whatever, right. if we divide that, we could assume, you know, if it's 20 years in story and 200 moons, there you go. Mm -hmm. She says Mad Mardigan was like nine moons ago. So Mad Mardigan left when Alora was like four, all this stuff. So there's been a lot of time passed for every character, a lot of time for insecurities to set in. Yeah. But the, that's the good thing about putting the young and the old together is that they force people to, they force the generations to all sort of feel, um, to sort of feel things, I think, in a little bit more of a raw way uh, where you're not going to be challenged as long as you stay and as long as you hide. And I think that Willow wanted to make the choice of running is so key here and not being able to multiple times. You can't run away on the carriage. You can't avoid the fight. Mm -hmm. uh, the party splits up. It does, he doesn't want to split the party up. Then he has to. And neither of those work. They, the reverse ends up happening both times. Uh, I don't want to go up the steps. So I guess we have to like <laughs> the story is constantly telling him all those years, you know, those 200 moons since the first movie. Uh, this is the payoff. That mm -hmm. 20 year in between was a break. Like this yeah. is, it's the story is telling Willow, you're in Willow too. Like mm -hmm. you have to do it now, um, which is a really interesting thing because it's, that's what makes him different from someone like Luke is that Luke filled his 30 years with great deeds. You get the idea that Willow was like, awesome. And then they were like, Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll have the festival every year and you'll do the finger thing and that's it. Well, he was and... he was um I can't rem I can't exactly tell if this was pre-movie. But when he was like reminiscing with Silas about, oh, remember when we were just like farm and stuff? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like like it, it's almost not even out of the question that post the movie, he still did a little farming. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um and oh yeah, and he's like, you know, have energy to dance with Kaya, like, you know, like he he's he went back to living small like he didn't he didn't go stay in castles and yeah. have a big keep and he like, like he became the the default mage wizard sorcerer by process of elimination which is a crude mm -hmm. way to say it but like they were they were like rezel's gone shalindra is gone magic's diminishing and i think that you know his his self-expressed theme of this will go away if we don't nurture it mm -hmm. is interesting. And you have to wonder how much of his insecurity, like Kit's, like Alora's, like Borman's, how much of that is coming from a place of, did I nurture it in myself? 
and now I can't hide anymore. The, you know, the person who took his people underground now literally has to climb steps to end mm-hmm. this episode after mm-hmm. his buddy from the underground is dead. Like when you lay it out in like those really just brass tacks symbolism terms, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, what's going to take us to the next part of the adventure? Actual steps that are scary. <laughs> yeah. Like th- yeah. that just feels right. And also very Tolkien, you know, there was the steps of, of outside of a uh, Minas Morgul and like all those stuff. So it, it's yeah. very atmospheric and, yeah, I think that that's uh, I think that's everything major. Is there anything else in the episode that that we're forgetting, or anything that you wanted to cover? That yeah, we need to talk about were rats. Okay, <laughs> the, the were rats thing I thought was going to be a throwaway dialogue gag. I wish that I could have. I don't. We don't do reaction content, but just for my own sake, I wish I could have had a camera on my face when I saw it. Mm-hmm. It was glee the fact that it was not just a practical creature which lucasfilm always rocks with those neil scanlon's on the show mm-hmm. but it was the fact that it was done in stop motion it was yeah. just so cool yeah loved it. I, I loved how um i loved how they didn't actually like turn out to be a huge deal like they reminded me a bit of in princess bride the oversized rodents or whatever Oh, um, rodents of unusual that's the one of unusual yeah. size yeah yeah and like so like it's sort of the same deal of like once you bring it up you kind of need to see it and yeah. then and then also but also like it didn't turn out to be this huge thing in the end like they didn't cause that big a problem for them um but i did love the use of the glowing eyes as mm-hmm. sort of like just a way to make them scary but not necessarily like a a huge hurdle for them like yeah kills the one and then they get out and then they're just like oh let's just bounce right <laughs> like mm-hmm. um but the way they use sort of the the glowing eyes in the dark to make them really feel surrounded was both like minimalist and fun and then yeah the effect itself was was really cool it felt like a, a great willow throwback to um the sort of dragon monster in uh in in the in the movie I agree. It, and throwback's the right word. Like this show balances old and new in really strong ways in terms of like how you will have, like we said, mi- mixed doing the mixtape of tropes, but also of visual styles because it is really pretty. You know, this is they're mm-hmm. in Wales. This wasn't a show that was shot on the volume. It's a combination of sets and locations. And oh, and let me know. tell you, the at the premiere they showed a, like on the se- coming up this season of Willow. Oh yeah, um, which, uh, to my knowledge, has not been released yet. But I'll just say, there is a lot of VFX. Like there is, oh, there is some wait. stuff that is like big time ILM going. Woo! <laughs> like, yeah, <you> know? <laughs> like, it up. Yeah, so it's 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 gonna be a lot of everything. We're still um, in the early, like close to home sort of stages, yeah. and, which excites me. And that's what I was going to say is like atmosphere. Yeah. The show does atmosphere so well. We build up to like, oh, there's this inn called the Slaughtered Lamb. And then we get there and it's completely destroyed. And then the, and the rain, the fog and the darkness. And it just it all really felt right. And the fact that we could have these really dark scenes along with the scene with uh, Hubert and Anne, along with the scenes of you know, the flashback with the Chimerian Curus, like mm-hmm. these locations feel different. The levels of technology feel different. The, the, the cinematography feels different, but it all feels really one, yeah. um, which I think is really exciting. And it, I wonder and it if, flushes out this world. 
Yeah, I wonder if Variety is going to hound out the um, cinematographer to say that the scenes were too dark. <laughs> the Willow fight was too dark. And then we're going to have to argue again. Like, it's your TV settings, which, well, by the way. Again, it's also like. TV settings. Your TV settings, but also like maybe, maybe, hear me out. What if, what if there's thematically dark things going on? <laughs> and. And almost the experiences in might might be enhanced or at least intended to be enhanced by by darkness on the screen. Maybe, maybe the lack of clarity in the character's souls comes through the lack of clarity of vision. Nah. So like I'm just, <laughs> nah, it has just to be a mistake. I just throwing it out there. They obviously messed up. No, obviously. you're 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 but so right. And it's you just, and I like, I'm so tired of it. We I'm sorry we, you can't see it. We That's sass. kind of the point. <laughs> we we sass and, and we and we're sarcastic about it because we are tired of it. Especially like remember Game of Thrones season eight was three years ago, more now, almost four. Um, that was a th- that it keeps coming back. Like perhaps, and you would think after Obi Wan Kenobi did like such great things with like killing the lights and the, like you would think people would get these choices, but they they don't. And I loved that. I really did love like it should be disorienting to 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 have youth and protection and comfort taken from you the fact that she puts on her knight's you know mask helmet to i don't know it's not a full helmet i guess it would be a kind of a, mm-hmm. it's like a drop down cowl type mask yeah. um and it's immediately knocked away and it ends up in the rain and the mud and everything and she has to pick it up like those are those are symbols and, mm. and that was all really important. And, and I, I, yeah. And you're so right. I, that, <laughs> that entire bit you just did is so, so spot on. Like maybe theoretically speaking, the people making it made choices and that doesn't yeah. mean you have to like it. You could say like, Oh, that was hard for me to see, but that doesn't mean that they were wrong. Right. Um, that, that's more the thing. Yeah. And like, not, not to go turning this into a house of the dragon discussion, but yeah. I think of that one that caused so much, I think it was drift mark. The, yes. the the beaches beach scenes that caused the distress this time mm-hmm. and and my first jump was to Macbeth when he says stars hide your fires let not light see these dark and deep desires mm-hmm. and the darkness is around Rhaenyra and Damon consummating it's it's you know it's like, like thematically it works like yeah. Just chill <laughs> and, and yeah, Aemon, I mean, Aemon like, stealing the dragon. It's about it's about desires that people don't want the light of day to see. And I feel like again, it's just the same thing with Willow. It's I think it's a choice to make it dark because I think it is about lack of clarity. I think yeah, I think that's just it's a good choice. So, and to be at the foot of a mountain, like we said, like it's very on the nose in the way that George Lucas can be and the way that 80s stuff was or even 90s, early 2000s stuff was to be at the foot of the mountain in the mud, in the rain, in the dark. You know, even if it's even if it's not desires, there is still stuff that we didn't want to face and it's going to creep up on you mm-hmm. in darkness. And it's gonna mm-hmm. like having to face Valentine, having to face the crossing into adulthood, Willow having to face, you can't run like mm-hmm. that's stuff that the light of day, you know, in the carriage cracking jokes, she throws up on you. Like that, that's yeah. when that stuff, you, it's easier to push away. It's what you find in the pit. Mm-hmm. What you find yeah. in the pit. And now you have to climb. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and it's going to take us into our next chapter. So I love that you brought that up because storytelling, is, baby. Yeah. Storytelling, storytelling <laughs> rocks. I don't know if you guys know that out hundreds of hours of casually talk later and, and our other shows and everything, but storytelling is really good. And this show has done it so elegantly and in such a fun way. It's, and it's not afraid to be schlocky. Like I love that this show's like, yeah, here's a stop motion rat with red mm-hmm. eyes and some Metallica and someone's going to say boobs and like it's just like so like bill boobs or whatever uh, yeah bill boobs or whatever yeah, yeah. i and i look at it what was the it was it was like the the, the voluptuous, the voluptuous veil. veil yeah yeah and it's like it's, that whole thing is a comedy bit it's like the pitiless path or the voluptuous veil like, that one sounds pretty good yeah. you know like the whole thing is a comedy bit it's like yeah it's called the pitiless path but like it's a really nice path yeah. and like yeah. yeah all of that plays and and if people are watching and they're like it's too modern for me and that's not my i get it like Mm. it it is going to be a taste thing but we're also in a time where like if it's not to your tastes you can say that and that's really good and that's fine and that's honest and that's cool Mm. um any last thoughts on willow before we close out because i think that Um, i i I hate doing the like let me replay the episode in my head but i really do think that we managed yeah i think i think we got a good good coverage of the whole thing um I think just yeah in general this was a heck of a ride of an episode because I, I I don't usually do this but I sort of like stopped um to tweet <laughs> during the episode yeah. and I was like I'm just pausing just to say how good this show makes me feel mm-hmm. um like that first half was so sort of like adventure skippy yay and then like by the end like my next tweet down is like well that escalated and and you know it's just like the ability for this episode to take you on that kind of ride that's what this show does that's what willow does you always got to remember um oh this is a this is a cute little fantasy movie oh my god they're mauling the woman (laughs) the dogs are mauling her to death you know like that is this world still um so i think that is that was just like a fun sort of micro experience for this episode and how that's just how the world of willow feels i love these characters can't wait to see where they go next um i'm so excited for for so many of them yeah absolutely same here i think this group is great i think the cast is killer i think that this is a show that is already um like you said in terms of like they could have done a three-part launch and it was fine as a two-part launch but they could have because three makes one and two better mm. more context on Borman, it's all playing better with more context on willow it's all playing better and uh i'm already i don't want to rush through the season but i cannot wait to watch like the movie and then all eight episodes again of the sequel yeah. and it's gonna feel really good so as we close out here on casually talk um why don't you tell everybody where they can find you uh tweeting about ruby cruz <laughs> ruby cruz um yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Nequitius, N-A-Q-U-I-C-I-O-U-S. You can find me. Actually, is, not, is it worth plugging Hive? Maybe. Maybe it'll be back up by the time some people watch this. You can find me on Hive at Nick Defer. Um, And then you can listen to the One and Done Film Club. That is one, the letter N, done show at on Twitter. Do that with Alden and her friend Reed. Exploration through blockbuster franchise movies. Um, it's a super fun time. If you've got few hours to spend because they are their watch along commentary so it is as long as a movie if not longer and um we do that do uh 
rewatch between worlds on octo radio with alden mm -hmm. and you can listen to the imperial senate podcast as well at imp senate pod yep rewatch between worlds on octo radio it's where i do all my star wars talk a h c h t o radio it's got all the shows we wrapped up andor so we're doing more of our interviews and stuff there's some higher public stuff going on over there so check that out for all of my star wars talk you can find me Twitter, Instagram, Hive, TikTok, all that stuff, that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z, uh, writing around the internet whenever possible. I did something for Star Trek a couple months ago, working on a couple other things for them, hopefully soon. Um, so hopefully some other things down the road that are going to be exciting for 2023, but still here on Casterly Talk always, and we're going to be doing more stuff, not just on Willow, but on the Game of Thrones side of things. The rewatch is going to be coming back with Ken, um a little later this month if not early 2023 getting back into rewatching that entire series and then we're going to be moving over into doing some peter jackson lord of the rings content more rings of power other stuff's going to be coming up here whenever that Gollum video game comes out i'm going to be playing that <laughs> i always forget uh, about that because then, I, it, me then too. it trips me out <laughs> like, yeah oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah there's a Gollum video game so whenever that comes out i'm going to figure out a way to play it here on the channel or something and uh, have some fun with that so there's a lot of stuff coming up here uh obviously ken knapsack during willow season he's sort of mad mardigan he's in and out of the story right now um but he is always still, present you know, <laughs> always present he's the, yeah. the fearless leader um he will be back on uh, there's going to be uh, you know some different guests and everything nikki will remain throughout the season whenever he can uh we're going to have molly damon is going to be coming up adam collins uh, who some of you know from the movie trivia showdown who is a willow expert um, a self-proclaimed Willow expert who was like, I know it backwards, forwards, all go. the lore, everything. Um, he's going to be joining me. So look forward to that. And then all the links down below for me, for Nikki and for Ken are all there. Um, buy Ken's book, Why We Love Star Wars. Support Casually Talk. There's links down below if you want to support the show. There's a QR code that way, that way in the bottom corner if you're watching it. Uh, it's so hard to do this when you're reflected in cameras. Right? You feel like such a doofus. Um, and yeah, and then uh, at Casually Talk, Twitter uh, and Hive as well, uh, as well as Facebook. So as for right now, for me and for Nikki and for this wonderful party of characters, but especially my boy Silas. Pour one out for Silas this week, everybody. We will catch you next time right here on Casterly Talk. Casterly Talk.